Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, Kat. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Hope Church. Now is the time we get to uh, worship Christ in the forms of tithes and offerings. And for all of you, you can take comfort in knowing that every single dollar that we give here is tied to a soul either by evangelism uh, or by discipleship. So we got the camps coming up this week, sports camp, next week, uh, Legacy High School. And, and part of being a believer is we need to pass on that to the next generation. So like, like a baton in a relay race, we need to pass it to the next generation because all of us are running in the race. And with every day that passes, we draw closer to the end of our race. Some of us are closer to the end than others, but, you know, we still do running the race. So we got to pass it on to the next generation so that our children, our grandchildren, and every generation thereafter gets to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Speaking of races, uh, I used to be a Special Olympics coach back when I was a teacher. And I had this one girl, she was my student maybe 11, 12 years old, sweet, sweet little girl. She was born blind. She, she, she was completely blind, never had any vision, but she expressed an interest in wanting to run this race. So I said, okay, that's great, that is awesome, but how am I gonna do this? She's blind, she cannot see where the start line, the finish line is. So I called up my area director and she gave me just a brilliant idea. She said, what we can do is pull a rope from the start line all the way to the finish line and what we can do is slide a baton a relay baton onto it and the girl should hold on to it once the, once it started she'd follow this baton all the way to the finish line and the baton she knew that if you would, she just kept holding on to the baton it would direct her paths to the finish now for us as Christians, as believers, we can learn a biblical truth from that little girl. Because sometimes in our lives, we cannot see. I mean, right now is giving. We're giving. Some, some of us here is like, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm in the dark on how God is going to pull me out of this financial pit. However, and it doesn't matter what it is we're going through, financial, relational, whatever, temptations that we struggle with, we, if we hold on, with all of our heart, with all of our might, to this, the Word of God, the promises that are within this book, He will always direct our paths and lead us even when we cannot see. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for your promises that are true. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge you in all ways, and you will direct our paths, Lord God. So thank you, Lord just like the little blind girl if we hold on to your promises um, we can walk by faith and not by sight we praise you in the mighty matchless and majestic name of jesus amen well today we begin a new series being shaped by god and what that means is that god is always shaping us to look more and more like his son jesus christ so we're going to learn how he does that through this series today pastor ben urbanozo is going to speak to us about how do we handle temptations because God will never tempt us, yet He will use temptations to grow us. And when temptations come our way, it gives us an opportunity not to fall into temptation, but to do good and to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Today being Aloha Sunday, which brings awareness to our missions, uh, because I know many of you are wearing your Aloha wear, which is great. You all look great. Uh, God is going to do something special through every single one of you today through our Aloha Sunday Missions Awareness, as well as teach us how we can be more and more like Him. Let's welcome up Ben Urbanozo, Pastor Ben Urbanozo, as he comes and shares this morning. Thank you, Pastor Sheldon. Good morning, everybody. It's so great to be with you here on Aloha Sunday. And if you're, if you're like, I didn't know it was Aloha Sunday, I'm not wearing Aloha wear, just throw shakas, okay? Just... Morning enough, Aloha. But, uh, you know, we are, we are in this series called Being Shaped by God. And today, we're going to talk about how to handle temptations. And I think for all of us, we all know what temptations are, even when we were younger. I mean, I remember uh, when I was a kid, my mom uh, made me go to this after-school program, which was also uh, a, a church. And so I remember every Wednesday, we would go to the after-school program, and they would do, we do this thing called chapel, where just like in church, you do worship music, you dance and sing, and then somebody would come up and give like a really short 10-minute message. 
And so I remember this one Wednesday, uh, I was like eight years old, and uh, I got picked up from, we got picked up from the elementary school, came to the church, and uh, it was time for chapel. Now, I was hungry. I'm still hungry, in fact. And, and, uh, and I remember, uh, you know, school lunch wasn't the greatest, and so I remember being hungry, and, and I remember being in chapel, and we did the worship, and all the time I'm like thinking, I just want to eat. I just want to eat at my afternoon snack, because they normally give an afternoon snack. Well, uh, after the worship, the speaker goes up, and, he, and as he goes up, I see that the other adults are passing around potato chips. One potato chip to each student. And I'm like, yes, the Lord hears my prayers. There's food in chapel. And so I'm, but I'm noticing they're only giving each student one chip. And so I'm like, okay. And so I finally, I get to, it got to me. And, and I guess the person who uh, was passing out the chips, I, I forget who it was, but I guess they knew me. So they gave me like the big chip in the bag. You know that one big chip that's in the bag? And so they gave it to me, and so I'm looking at it. I'm hungry, and I can just look at it. You know, I'm staring at it. I don't even know what the, the adult is saying because I'm focused on the salt, on the Ruffles chip. I'm looking at each and every groove. I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat this chip. And all of a sudden, I hear him say, well, before you eat your chip, I want to tell you something. You can very well go ahead and eat that potato chip. Or you can wait till I'm done. And if you're at the end of my message, if you haven't eaten your potato chip, I will give you your own individual small bags of chips. And so, you know, I was eight years old, but I knew math. I was like, one chip versus one bag of chips. I definitely want the bag of chips. And so he starts talking, but as he starts talking again, everything else kind of fades away, and I'm looking at the chip in my hand the beautiful golden yellow that it was, the salt crystals. And so I'm looking at my friends around me, and we all have chips in our hands. And, and so I look at my friend on this side, and he's looking at it, and he look, he's looking at his chip, and he's like, and he eats it. I'm like, dude. It's like, eh. And so I'm looking at, I look at my other friend, and he looks at me, he's looking at his chip, he's like, and he's just sweating. And he's like, and he licks the chip. He's like, hey, he's, he said we couldn't eat it, but I'm licking it. He didn't say anything about licking it. My other friend sees him lick it, and he's like, and he puts the whole chip in his mouth. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, and then I see my other friend who's holding it, and he's like, and he starts taking nibbles out of it. And he's like turning it. So I look at my chip, and my chip was the big chip, right? So I'm looking at him going, all right. He said, don't eat the chip. But my chip is so big that if I nibble around it, I can nibble like a pretty a good while before it looks like an ordinary potato chip. So I do that. I start nibbling on it, and I nibble the whole thing around. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, now nah, you know what? I still get space. I still get space. I can nibble this chip. So I start nibbling again. And as I'm nibbling, all of a sudden, it cracks. And I'm like, oh, no. And my friends are kind of laughing, and my friend has like chip in his mouth. I'm like, shush. And I did what any eight-year-old would do. I was like, oh, well, it broke. And I ate it. I kid you not, it was like probably five seconds after that, I heard the adult say, okay, who has their chip left? Hold it in the air. My friend who licked his chip was like, yeah, I got it. My friend who had his, mouth, had his chip in his mouth, he brings it out, and it's like, bending over because it's soggy. <laughs> and I'm like, I just ate mine. Like, I just had it. And, and I'm like, and I'm begging and pleading with the adult, the, 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 can I please have a chips? I'm hungry. I'm so hungry. You know what I mean? And I, eventually they gave us bags of chips. But the one thing I remember that was after that, the adult, the adult who was speaking said, that's exactly how temptation works. That's exactly how temptation works. You see, we all know what temptation is. In fact, let me ask you a question. What's your potato chip? Because for some of us, it might actually be potato chips. It might be something like junk food. 
But I think for a lot of us, it's much bigger than that. It's much more serious than that. And the truth is, we all face them. We try to fight them. But the truth is, most times, when it comes to our temptations, we fall victim to it. And when we do, we often don't like where we find ourselves. I haven't met anybody who was tempted in something that they knew was wrong and said, hey, I really like where I'm at now. It doesn't work like that. So how do we handle temptations? Well, before we get into how we handle temptations, I want to just share three important things. So if you're taking notes, this might be important for you to write down. And I'm sorry, it's not going to be on the screen, so I'll, I'll try and go slow. But it's important that we understand this. Number one, it is not God that tempts us. It's not God that tempts us. So if you ever feel like, man, God, why are you tempting me? God's not that person. It is the devil who tempts. God will never tempt you and I. It will always be the devil. The second thing is this. We all face and will face temptations. We all have and will face temptations. So if you're here today, if you're here today and you're thinking, well, I read, I read my Bible every single day. I pray to the Lord every single day. I come to church every single week. I'm not going to face temptations. I hate to tell you this, but you will. Everybody will face temptations. And the third thing is this. We cannot avoid temptations, but we can certainly learn how to handle and overcome them. You and I will not ever be able to avoid temptations completely, but we can learn how to handle and overcome them. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says it like this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You see, in today's world, we are surrounded by temptations. But it is in the environment of temptation that we can allow God to grow and shape us into who he calls us to be. And so this morning, we're going to learn three biblical principles that will help us handle, uh, handle temptations and be shaped by God. And what's so amazing is that we can learn this from Jesus because Jesus himself handled temptations. In fact, one of my favorite stories is found in Luke 4, and it's in your notes. And it says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to do me a favor. Circle full of the Holy Spirit. This isn't Jesus when... He's empty. This is Jesus when he's full of the Holy Spirit. He left the Jordan. This is right after he gets baptized. He leaves the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil then led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him into an opportune time. Now do me a favor to circle opportune time. Because we're going to always face temptations. Just because you handle one temptation doesn't mean the devil is going to be done with us. But you see, in this, Jesus shows us that as we make our way through this wilderness that we call life, we too will be tempted and tested, but because of him, we can handle it. And how? The first thing is this. Look at the bigger picture. Look at the bigger picture. I want to show you a picture. And I want, you to, I want, you, I want to ask you a question. If do you know what this is? Can you show the first picture? Because it does not look good. My daughter, my, my, uh, 
My, my, my middle daughter, Brianne, said, Daddy, that looks like lizard skin. I was like, you're right. It does. It does not look good. Can we go to the next one? Can you see what it is? Go to the last one. That's right. It's lychee. How many of you know it's lychee? From the first photo. Oh. See, here's the thing. When you're zoomed in on it, it doesn't look appealing. Like if I told you, you're going you, to want to eat that later on today. You're probably going, that looks gross. I don't want that. But when I zoomed out and you saw the entire picture of what it was, now you understand. You see, you and I will never see what it is God wants for us if we don't look at the bigger picture. You and I will never see what it is God wants for us unless we look at the bigger picture. So let me ask you, are we focusing on the bigger picture or are we distracted by what's being put out right in front of us? You see, temptation often comes in, distracts us from the bigger picture that God wants for us. I mean, did you, do you ever notice that whenever we find ourselves being tempted, if we were to look at the bigger picture that we would see something far greater than what it is we're being tempted with. I remember when I was in high school, for some reason, I don't know, but my friends, uh, I never had a relationship when I was in high school and junior high. I never had a girlfriend. And so what I thought was always weird is that all my friends who were in relationships came to me for relationship advice. I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, why are you guys asking me? I'm single. And so, but they would always ask me. And I remember one of my friends, uh, he came to me and he's like, bro, Ben, I got to tell you, I got to tell you something. I'm like, what? He's like, so me and my girlfriend, who we've been going out for almost a year. And in high school years, that's like forever and eternity, right? A year. And so he's like, bro, we've been going out for almost a year. And I tell you right now, it's so crazy because I got, I, I need help. I'm like, what? What do you need help? He's like, you know, I found out that this is true. When you're, when you become taken, Meaning when you're in a relationship, for some reason, everybody starts wanting to hook up with you. Because like right now, there's like two other girls that want to hook up with me. And I'm in a relationship. Like I, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds really bad, bro. Like, you're telling the single guy who don't got no girlfriend that three girls don't want you. Great. And so he's like, I don't know what to do. So I was like, okay, well, listen up. Listen, obviously, you should just stay in your relationship. Like, you guys, you guys have been going out for almost a year. And she's really nice. Like, his girlfriend really was awesome. Like, his girlfriend was super nice. Uh, and I was like, uh, you, should, you should stay with her. Like, don't do it. And he's like, but, but, brah, man. Other chicks. Mean. I'm like, you idiot. What are you talking about? Just stay on this one. And so I'm like, dude, trust me. If you look at the bigger picture, right now, you're in, a, you're in a relationship that everybody else was like, they're so awesome. They're, oh, they match together. Oh, they're so beautiful. Ah. So what does my friend do? He checks out the other two girls. And what happens? It all falls apart. His girlfriend finds out, breaks up with him. The other two girls that he was fooling around with find out. They don't want nothing to do with him. And then he comes back to me, and he's like, Oh, Ben, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean you don't understand? I told you like two months ago. And he's like, bro, like, I don't get it, bro. I had such a great relationship. Like, yeah, the key word, had. Because you know, like, listen, yeah? You had something perfect almost. Like, in high school terminology, you guys was perfect. But you threw it all away. Why? Because you never saw the bigger picture, yeah? And now what happened was, they always spread gossip about him. So he's like, oh, bro, all the girls, they don't like talk stories to me. I'm like, yeah, would you? Like, I don't like talk stories to you. You're my friend. It's because he didn't see the bigger picture. And, and even throughout high school, for the rest of high school, he had a hard time living that down. Why? Because he didn't look at the bigger picture. The bigger picture was, hey, you're in a great relationship. Don't mess it up. Instead, you were tempted by what looked good right there, right now. You see, temptations will look good for now. But will it sustain us in the long run? 
That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You see, looking at the bigger picture is the first principle that we must learn and develop to handling temptations because it, is the fir- it, is the, it was the first mistake made. See, not looking at the bigger picture was the first mistake made when faced with temptations the first time in the Garden of Eden. Right? I mean, in Genesis 2.16, we read that the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. But then we read in Genesis 3, Eve says, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And here comes the serpent, here comes the devil tempting, saying, you will not certainly die. See, Adam and Eve lost sight of the bigger picture. God literally created paradise and said, listen, you can have everything in this place, everything, everything but this one tree. This one tree. You got everything. You got all of this, but this one thing. Satan comes in and says, listen, I know he says you got everything, but it's that one tree. He takes the focus of all of Eden and brings it to one tree. Because that's what temptation does. It causes us to lose sight of the bigger picture. It causes us to look at what looks good right in front of us. You see, the enemy will always try to have us focus on something small. But many times, even though it seems small, it is super destructive. You see, when we're in the wilderness of our lives and hungry for love and acceptance, we will often be tempted to lose sight of the bigger picture. Oh, people are spreading gossip and rumors? Oh, let me jump in and spread more. Oh, you need to get good grades? Well, let me just cheat. Or if I want to look good in front of my boss, let me just smudge some of these numbers. You having a hard time in your marriage? Well, that person seems to give me attention, so I'll give them attention. Or let me just click on this link. Having financial struggles? Oh, but it's on sale. I'm guilty of this one. Raising kids? I will put an iPad in front of them. You see, we're tempted to do these things, but we don't see the bigger picture. And when we don't look at the bigger picture, we will let temptation put up a facade that will lead us to destruction. You see, Jesus looked at the bigger picture. And I love it because the Bible said that he was hungry. In fact, in other translations, it says that he was famished. But he looked at the bigger picture. You see, he knew that if he gave into the temptation of turning a stone into a loaf of bread, the bigger picture of us being forgiven, redeemed, and restored would never take place. He knew that as hungry as he was, a loaf of bread would never satisfy the hunger our Father in heaven had. You see, that was the bigger picture that mattered most to God, and it's the bigger pictures that should be what matters to us the most. And the second thing is this. Listen to the voice of wisdom. Listen to the voice of wisdom. You see, many of us may think that we're wise, but when handling temptations, there is only one voice that is true wisdom. In fact, James 3 says it like this. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. See, what voice do we listen to, especially when we're faced with temptations? You know, many times we think that we're listening to what is right only to find out it isn't what's wise. See, there's a difference between what's right and what's wise. And people, most times, will we'll fight for what's right and will think less about what's wise. But God says, no, no, no. Seek wisdom and you'll know what's right. You see, temptation loves to blur the line because it loves to deceive us from doing what is wise. 
And the thing is, temptation doesn't always tell us to immediately do wrong. In fact, most times it won't do that. Temptation will never say, no, 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 this is wrong. But what it will do is it'll blur the lines between what is right and what is wrong. That's why it's so important to listen to the voice of wisdom. Because when we find ourselves in moments of stress and pressure, we can easily find ourselves being drowned out by the noise of temptations and tune wisdom out. Just this past week, um, Katie and I were at the doctor's appointment, and what's so funny because I'm 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 looking I've been looking for uh, joggers to wear because I'm liking joggers, you know the pants, like I'm looking for joggers, and so trying to order it online, looking online, all this and that, and so I'm looking and uh, I shared it in a couple messages ago about me buying something from eBay and finding out that it was not good. Like I ordered, a, I thought I was buying a cool Iron Man jacket that was my size, only to find out that it was an Asian size, which meant that my 3X was like a 1X. As I tried putting it on, I was like, this is not cool at all, like this is not. And so I remember, so, so here I am again on eBay, and I'm thinking, okay, I learned what happened, you know, I don't buy on eBay as much, and so I'm looking, and I'm just scrolling, and all of a sudden, I see this, I see this pair of joggers, and I'm like, hey, it, it's my size, it looks cool, it says brand new, but I see that the, the, the bidding timer is starting to run down. And it's like 10 seconds left. And so I'm like, oh, and it's like, it's only like $6. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna buy it because this is super cheap. So, I, so I'm like, I buy it. I go, okay, okay, I bid. Okay, I got it. And then I look at Katie and I go, hey babe, is it okay if I bought uh, uh, pants? It's like, what? Is it okay if I bought pants? Are you asking me if it's okay for you to buy pants or are you telling me that you already bought the pants? I, I kind of already bought it. It's like, well, if you already bought it, I can't tell you no, right? I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then I'm like, I'm so excited. I'm like thinking, yeah, I got it. And then all of a sudden, I click on what I actually bought. And it was like right there, the Lord said, yeah, that wasn't wise, Ben. In fact, I'm going to let you use this for your illustration for this message. Because when I clicked on it, it said brand new, right? But then as I read in the item description, it says brand new with defects. I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, brand new. There's some stains on it. And I'm like, what? And then I read, oh, it says my size. And then I look at it. And guess what it says? Asian size. Again. So I'll be, and I was like, I'm going to wear it for tonight, today. No, that ain't going to happen. It's probably going to happen like in 2022. That's how much weight I got to lose for fit in that Asian size joggers. See, that voice of wisdom was saying, don't do it. Slow down. Don't put it, don't press enter. But I didn't listen to it. And isn't it funny how we'll learn what the voice of wisdom sounds like after we're not wise? Like, you, like my, for some weird reason, at that moment, the voice of wisdom sounded like my wife saying, I told you so. But you see, in order to handle temptations, it is important to be proactively searching and listening to God's voice of wisdom rather than reacting after the fact. And why is it important? Because it's what can lead us away from the promises that God has for us. There's a man in the Bible that I think many of us, we may know about, and God did amazing things. I mean, his birth alone was, was pretty crazy, and then what God did in his life to the point where he, he actually delivered God's people from Egypt. And he split the Red Sea. His name was Moses. And Moses was a great person, great man. In fact, God said, Moses, you're going to be the one that's, you're going to take my people from Egypt and you're going to bring them to the promised land. But then all of a sudden, Numbers 20 happens. And you see, this is what, what takes place is that the Israelites are complaining that they have no water, they have no food. And they've been complaining to Moses and Aaron for a while. And then Moses and Aaron go to the Lord and the Lord says, well, bring my people into assembly and go to the rock and, and as you speak to it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to spill out water. Like from the rock, it's going to gush out water. That's all God said. Bring my people into an assembly and I will have it happen. But what happens is Moses gets angry and he gets frustrated and because he's frustrated, he's tempted to do something out of anger. And what does he do? He strikes the rock twice. And the Bible actually says that 
water actually did fall out of the rock. But then in Numbers 20, verse 12, it says this. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. See, in other words, because Moses was tempted and gave into the anger and he struck the rock, the promised land that God actually had for him, he was never going to step foot into. You see, when temptation can lure us away from hearing the voice of wisdom, then its potential can also lead us away from everything that God has for us, is doing in us, or has done already. And as you guys heard Cat and Bunny talking about our summer camps, we just had our defined junior high summer camp, and it was an amazing camp uh, with the junior hires. Pastor Brett was our camp speaker, and he did an amazing job. And uh, one, of the, one of the messages that he spoke was on our Wednesday night, and he talked about failure, and, and he gave an illustration of spilling milk on the table. And it was an illustration that my wife Katie really took to heart, because Katie being pregnant and uh, uh, already with all, all the chemical ba- imbalances and all that because of her pregnancy, she's, been, she's tired, and because she's tired, she kind of gets frustrated pretty easy. And so with our kids, when they drive her crazy, they drive her crazy. And we have, we have really young kids. We have six, four, and two. Right? Six, four, and two. Okay, making sure. I'm sorry, my middle one acts like she's five. That's why so I'm like, four or five? Okay, but, but so, so, and because Katie's at home all the time, she, she spends the whole time with them, and they drive her crazy. And when I come home, she's like, I can't already. And so I come in and I try to be the, you know, the nice, loving you know, parent. Like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Oh, you guys got to listen to mom. Oh. But after Defiant Camp, when she heard Pastor Brett say that, she came to me and she said that um, she doesn't want to be that kind of parent. She doesn't want to be the kind of parent when something small happens that she just erupts on her child. And I told her, that's great, babe, because that's not who you are. And so uh, that was so great. And, and so we come, to, we come to the end of camp was Friday, Friday day, we try to rest, but we don't get to rest because so, I have three little girls. And so at night, we're like, okay, let's go out and eat because dad doesn't want to cook. Nobody wants to cook. Let's just go out and eat. So we go to IHOP. And so we're eating, and I'm dead tired. Like, I'm dead tired. I just want to eat my food, go back home, go sleep. Well, we're eating, and my daughter, Caitlin, my oldest daughter, Caitlin, she has a bowl of whipped cream. And so it's at, like, the edge of the table, and I see it. And so I'm trying to grab it. I'm like, Caitlin, move the whipped cream. And as soon as I say it, it falls off the table and it cracks. Now, like I said, I'm normally the, the, the parent who's like, it's okay, it's okay. But as Caitlin's eyes looks at me, I look at Caitlin and I give her this look. This look of, what did you just do? And she looks at me. And as soon as she sees that look, she starts bawling. I didn't say a word, but it's that look. And she's like crying. And all of a sudden, I hear my, my wife, Katie, go, Oh, Caitlin, come, Caitlin. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And she's comforting her. And I'm like, Hey, that's my job. Like, that's me. And then I realized something. I realized I can easily say I was tired. I can easily say, Yeah, I was camp and I was tired and all this and that. But that's the temptation talking. Because right there at that moment, what my daughter needed to see was her loving dad. That would have been the wisest thing to do. And so I told Caitlin, come here. And she comes and she hug, I hug her. I'm like, it's okay, baby, it's okay. And it was crazy because I thought, because it was like the Lord said, listen, you were just at a camp with over 100 junior hires and you showed them love. Your daughter did one thing and it was an accident and you gave her the dirtiest look. Don't let one moment take away what happened this entire week. So that's why I grabbed her and I told her, it's okay, baby, I'm sorry. Daddy's just tired. I didn't mean it. I love you very much. You know, you like, you like more whipped cream. I'll buy you, I'll get you, we can get more whipped cream and all this and that. You see, that's why it's so important to understand that wisdom that comes from any other place other than God isn't wisdom. Because if it doesn't come from God, don't listen to it. And see, that's why Jesus was able to shut down the devil. The devil tell, uh, in Luke 4, remember this. The devil tells Jesus that he will give Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if only Jesus would worship him. 
And I imagine it. Jesus is probably like this. Jesus, knowing the voice of wisdom, because he is the voice of wisdom, is probably like this. So you're telling me that if I worship you, I can have all of nothing. Because that's exactly what it is. All these kingdoms on earth is nothing. Nah, I'd rather, I will worship my father because I would rather be a part of something. You see, when we're faced with temptations, we too can either have all of nothing or we can be a part of something that God is doing. But it's going to take wisdom to tell the difference. And the last thing is this. Learn to be obedient. Woo! Say that word with me, obedient. That is the hardest word, I think, for many of us. I know it is for me. And this is also probably the hardest principle to develop. Because to be obedient means that it's not about us. It's not about our wants. It's not about our desires. It's not about anything else. Temptation will always lead us towards our desires rather than what God desires for us. But obedience will always lead us to God and his very best for us. Jeremiah 7.23 says it like this, but I gave them this command, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you that it may go well with you. See, God doesn't look for what's easier, but rather what's best for us. That's why obeying God often leads us out of areas of comfort and ease. See, temptation often tries to give us shortcuts, but leaves us realizing that instead of taking the easier route, if I had just obeyed, it would have been better for me. I remember a couple of years ago on a Sunday morning, uh, we had a student who, was, who had some disabilities. And I remember it was right after service, uh, their parent came and said, hey, we don't know where our, where our, our child is. In fact, we think he walked off the, the, the property. And so this is a Sunday morning, and so uh, she, I told some of the other pastors, and so we, we, we did our uh, Code Adam patrol, and so we made sure, uh, you know, he wasn't anywhere and all this and that. But then because she said she thinks he walked off the property, I jumped in my car, and I turned right out of the church. I went up to the gym, went to the corner store. He wasn't there. And I was like, okay, there's one thing already if it's a missing kid, but when it's a, when it's a kid with disabilities, it's even more uh, concerned for their health because of the disabilities. And so I remember coming back and I came back to the church. I was like, did anybody find this kid? Did anybody see this kid? And they're like, nope, he still hasn't come back. The parents said, no, he's still not here. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back around. I'm gonna turn left. I'm gonna go down the road and around the block and see if he's walking anywhere and all this and that. I said, okay. So I walk, I drive out and I turn left. And as I'm turning left on Kupalau, I see this gentleman in a, uh, like a bulldozer or, or construction equipment type thing. And then I slow down. And there's something in me that's saying, ask the guy if he's seen one kid. Like, ask the guy if he's seen a teenager walking around. But I was like, nah, it's, uh, you know, he probably didn't see if anything, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself all these excuses because it's comfortable. I'd rather just look for him myself. And so I pass him. I drive down High Street, go all the way back around. No kid. I come back to the church. I drive into the driveway. I come right underneath the covered walkway. And who do I see? I see the kid walking with Pastor Ward. And I'm like, so the first reaction is like, hey, we found the kid. We found the kid. He's safe. He's good. And so I, run through, I go to Pastor Ward. And I was like, hey, Pastor Ward, did you guys find the kid? He's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, where'd you find him? Pastor Ward, I don't know. That's the guy that was in the construction equipment thing. What? He's like, yeah, I saw the guy and I asked him, hey, you seen one, you seen one teenager like walking around? He's like, yeah, stay right over there. And sure enough, he was there. He was petting one goat, I think. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I just went and asked the guy. And all of a sudden, it was like the Lord said, if you were obedient, you would have found him. But because you weren't, that's why you had to keep on driving. And I learned this valuable lesson. He said, he said, when I tell you to be obedient, be obedient as if your life depends on it. Because it might not just be your life. It might be someone else's as well. And that's why temptation a lot of times will tell us to do what's easy, what's comfortable, and it'll try to make us do what feels good. But it's only for a moment. 
Being obedient to God will always lead us to being victorious in the end. You see, whatever God wants for us will always be better than what we want for ourselves. And when we learn to be obedient, God brings out the best in us. You see, because of obedience, because obedience brings us in alignment with what God wants. See, our obedience will always bring us back to what God wants for us. It brings us back into that alignment. That's exactly what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you look in your notes, it says Matthew 26, 42. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And I love this part. There's one part in that entire scripture I love, and it's the part when he says, he went away a second time. Because what I see in this moment is Jesus is fully the son of God, but he's also fully human. And when he goes away for a second time, it's like him saying, dad, if there's any other way, Father, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to take place. I know the abandonment that I'm going to have from my friends. I know the betrayal that I'm going to have from everybody else. I know the pain that the nails are going to be. I know the death that awaits me on the cross. And I know all this. But then he says, but not my will, your will be done. It is in that moment where we see that Jesus, the son of God, learned what it meant to be obedient. And because of it, you and I are saved. You see, we will always be tempted to be disobedient. Just this once. Or, it's only small. Or my favorite, I can ask for forgiveness later. But the the true question is, will we be okay with the consequences of our disobedience? You know, Katie and I, we'll be married for, we've been married for eight years. But can I tell you this? If we were obedient to the Lord, we would have been married far more than that. Because there was a time where I knew the Lord said, Katie was supposed to be, Katie is the one for me. And instead of being obedient to it, I tried to play God and work it all in my own time. And because of our disobedience, it did some, it it had some consequences. We went from loving each other to hating each other. We couldn't even stand each other. We would, she, would, we and I, uh, she would come to church every single week. I would come to church every single week. There came a season where she didn't come to church for four years. See, there's always going to be consequences when you and I are disobedient. And the truth is, we can be shaped by God through blessings or through, uh, or through consequences. And the only way that temptations will bring us blessings is if we choose not to obey them, but rather obey God. Now, I want to say this to us this morning because I want us to understand, and it might sound confusing, but, but I want you to hear it. Temptation is not your sin. Temptation is not your sin. It's what we do with temptation that matters because it's what defines who we are. It defines our character. Temptation has less to do with what we do, but more so about who we want to be. And that's why Jesus didn't listen to Satan when he said, go to the top of the temple and fall down. See, he already knew that the angels would come and protect him. But he doesn't need to prove it. You see, we don't need temptations to tell us to prove it. We don't need to let temptations tell us to prove it. Our obedience alone proves who God is. And with it, who we are. Because we are being shaped by God. See, you might be here, and you might know what the temptations are in your life. You know what the potato chip is. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's rumors and gossip. Maybe it's cheating. Maybe it's junk food. But more importantly, we all know what it feels like to struggle and carry the weight and guilt of our temptations. But can I tell you this this morning? No matter what your temptations may be, no matter if they're few or many, there is no temptation that Jesus can't handle. There is no temptation that you and I will ever face that Jesus says, I don't know how to handle that. 
each and every one of us, whatever comes our way, the best way to handle temptations is to let Jesus handle it with us. Because here's the thing. The enemy has an idea of who you and I are. He thinks we're fish. Anybody like fish? I like fish, but I don't think I am a fish. You see, the enemy thinks that you and I are fish. And so he'll cast his rod, he'll cast a line, and whatever it may be, maybe it's money. You say, oh, come, 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 come. Oh, 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 oh. Ooh. But then sometimes, sometimes we'll actually bite it. And when we bite it, we're hooked. And when we're hooked, Satan's like, yep, well, guess what? I got you for the rest of your life. Because that's who you are. You're a fish. But gee, what's so amazing is this. Jesus doesn't call you and I to be fish. In fact, he says that's not who you and I were created to be. Because when he said to Peter, come, and I will show you not how to fish, but I will show you that you are fishers of men and women. See, that's who you and I are. Don't let the enemy say, okay, I got you, I got you, and hook you. Listen, the best way to handle temptations is to say, Lord, I'm not a fish. I want to be a fisher of your men and women. I want to be a fisher of your kingdom. Come and shape me and make me into who you want me to be. Amen? You can put your notes away and your Bibles away. There might be some of us this morning that we're, we're, we're facing temptations right now. Maybe it's with work. Maybe it's with our families. Maybe it's with our kids. Maybe it's with what's on our phones. We all face temptations. And maybe there's some of us here this morning that we're saying, I'm carrying that weight. I'm carrying that guilt of the temptations. But let me remind you once again, that temptation is not your sin. And there's no temptation that Jesus says he can't handle. If all we would do is look at the bigger picture, listen to the voice of wisdom, and learn to be obedient, then can I tell you this? As we face temptations, you and I will be shaped by God because we're letting Jesus handle it. You don't need to carry it anymore. Give it to him. And so this morning as we pray, there might be some of you that you're saying, I'm constantly tempted to do what's wrong. I'm constantly told that this should be it, but I know this is what God wants for me. You know what's so amazing is that when Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let that be our heart this morning as we pray to the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we just thank you so much, Lord, that, that, Lord, you are who you say you are. That, Lord, for all of us here, Lord, as we face our own temptations, there's none that you can't handle. And so, Lord, help us to give it to you. We're not fish. We're called to be fishers of men and women. Help us to be shaped by you through whatever may come. That there is no temptation that you can handle because you have gone through it all. There may be some of us this morning that we're saying, I don't want to deal with this temptation anymore. And, and the first step is going to be to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Because he can't handle it unless he is our Lord and Savior. That's a choice that we have to make. And if that's you this morning, I want, you to, give that, I want to give that opportunity to you. And you can just say this prayer. We'll all say it together. But as you repeat, you don't have, it's not about the words that, that God is most concerned about. It's your heart. You're not saying it for me. You're saying it for him. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Help me
to handle my temptations by giving it to you. Thank you for letting me be victorious in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Now everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed. If you said that prayer for the first time, I, I want to say a special prayer for you. And I'm just going to ask, would you acknowledge by just raising your hand? It's just simple. And I just want to pray for you this morning. Yep. I see you over here. I see you over here. Yep. I see you over here. I see you back there. I see you over there. Yeah. Anybody else? I see you over here. God sees you over here. Lord, you see the hands of those who are raised, but most of all, you see our hearts. And so, Lord, come into us, Lord. Help us to be shaped by you, no matter what temptations, because, Lord, you can handle it all. We love you, Lord. We thank you, and we pray for all these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can you, can you help me congratulate those who made that awesome decision? Now, as you guys heard Bunny and Cassie earlier this morning, today is Aloha Sunday, but it's also our mission Sunday. Every Sunday has five Sundays. We dedicate it to bring, uh, to pray, and also to give to what God is doing all over the world through our Foursquare Missions International. And what's so amazing is that New Hope Church actually partners with other churches in their goal to reach people all for Jesus. In fact, let's take a look. Everybody, we just wanted to say good morning and thank you so much for being here. But uh, we're here with uh, Pastor John Mazariegos. He is our missionary in Mexico, and he wanted to greet you and just thank you for your support. Hey, what's up, New Hope? I just want to thank you for so many years of faithful prayer, support, ministry. I've been to your church a number of times. I love you. I love your pastors. And thank you from the bottom of my heart. We're doing it down in Mexico. We're having revival in the midst of a real hard season in the history of that country. But God is God and he's on his throne. And New Hope's heart is in Mexico. <laughs> so we wanted to uh, greet you. We're at our convention here with Bunny and Heidi and Jamie, of course. But uh, we just wanted to say thank you oh, for you, all that you're doing. Oh, we appreciate I, you. I love you. He always kisses me. always give him his kiss. <laughs> okay, God bless. All right. Yeah. So thank you, thank you so much for your hearts, and uh, we just want to give you the opportunity, if God put it on your heart, to give to Foursquare Missions International. As you can see, God is doing great things. So would you bow your heads as we pray for our, our missions offering? Lord, we just, once again, thank you so much for all the things that you're doing in the lives of your people. And Lord, right now, we want to just pray for the missions offering, Lord, because Lord, you, your heart is that none shall perish. And so what a joy it is that we get to partner with other churches, such as Pastor John's church in Mexico, as they reach people with the gospel of your love and your truth. And so, Lord, I pray for the hearts of those who give. And as we give unto you, Lord, we know that you're going to continue to do great and mighty things all over the world. And what a joy it is that we get to be a part of that. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And we look forward to what you're going to continue to do in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. All right, ushers, you can go ahead and...